to Fire Headlines, where we cover the hottest topics in fire service news. I'm your host, Samantha Didion, and today I am joined by the panel, Chief Bob Horton and Chief Jeff Buchanan. This week is part two of our end of the year slash new year special. So if you haven't already, go listen to episode 34 titled 2023, A Year in Review. This also means we are back with public safety technology expert Kevin Sofin and organizational psychologist Dr. Andrew Holter to continue last week's conversation and discuss what we should be looking forward to in the fire service in 2024. So, Andrew, we'll have you kick this episode off with your thoughts on what we should be paying attention to in the new year. I think the biggest thing from the fire service that has been a problem since I got into the fire service in 2005 and has only grown in scope and severity is recruitment and retention. I think that will continue to be the the number one issue facing fire chiefs across the country. And I think it will continue to be something that, you know, we have hundreds of ideas and solutions for. That will be the biggest challenge facing the fire service going forward uh, into 2024, and then trying to vet and find what actually works and what's going to help us as the workforce changes, as uh, demographics continue to change, and as we face truly an uphill battle. Uh, to continue um, recruiting people and keeping people in the fire service. I guess I'll go next, Andrew, and it, frankly, it dovetails into what you were, you were talking about, but I'm going to go back to the behavioral, psychological, and emotional health of, of firefighters. It's been an ongoing problem for a number of years. It's only more recently become a highlight because, unfortunately, suicides and really this is public safety issue this is police officers firefighters all first responders but stick to firefighters where suicides are outpacing line of duty deaths and we could dive in real deep on that statistic and and really kind of tear it apart as far as from an evidentiary standpoint but the reality is it's just it's a challenge it's it's a problem it's an ugly 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 issue and we're getting better at it we're getting better at it i think that the IAFC, the IAFF, and multiple other groups are recognizing it as a problem, but we're just such a long way away. The military is so far ahead of us. They have comprehensive programs that exist. They have documented strategies trying to address this challenge. And uh, we're, we're still, again, we're, and this is not blaming anyone. It's just, it's just a reality. We're not, we're not there yet. We don't have comprehensive national strategies that are put forth that are continually funded, that are continually infused with great ideas where that, that they're actually working. I shouldn't say that that's, that's a poor choice of words. Not that there aren't great ideas that are out there. People are putting forth great ideas. They see this as a, as a challenge, but uh, kind of to what Andrew's point was on, recruitment and retention, I'm not confident. I, and maybe I just haven't seen it. I think if, if I had seen it and if I was confident, it would be everywhere. We haven't figured out what's working. It continues to be a challenge. And, and yet, so we, we, we see this regular rhythm, this regular vibration that people are understanding it as an issue, but yet the frequency, the pitch, 
the volume isn't getting louder and louder and louder till we all can't stand it. And I, I, I and that's where I think we need to be. I think it needs to be, it, it just, it does have to come from the top. It does because they drive the funding. They have to drive the funding. The behavioral health administrator needs to, in my opinion, report to the fire chief so he can cut out or she can cut out all type of interference that is there so they can have direct access to that funding source as a, as a potential solution. But there has to be more and more funding applied in this area and just a bigger comprehensive plan. So uh, that, that, that's where I see is a, is a continuing challenge and would like to see a lot more advancement there. I have in my notes, biggest challenge for next year is recruitment and retention. I'm, I'm in that, I'm in that exact same space. And where I, where I think I challenge where we're at as an industry is we're, you know, fire chiefs, we travel the country. We listen to fire chiefs. What's the biggest problem that you're facing right now? Recruitment, retention, recruitment, retention. Okay. What are you doing? You know, what are we doing? And then it looks like we're digging to the three ring binder and we're blowing off the dust of the 1980s, 1970s recruitment strategy. And we're, you know, we're complaining in these rooms about, you know, when I got hired, there were 5,000 people showed up and for five jobs and I, you know, this is what I wanted. And then we're putting forward a strategy. Only thing we're doing different is we're publishing it or producing it or, or, or amplifying it on social media. Like that's, that's the modernization is we're putting together a cool video of how, how awesome this, this job is. And you're going to run in and slay the beast. And that, that, that we have to do a fundamental shift in identifying the type of person who needs to be in this profession for the next 30 years. It's 2023. We're talking about 2024. 30 years is 2055. We should do a show on it's 2055. What do we think the fire service looks like? And I'm sure, and bless, God bless all of us who, who came through this career in the 70s and the 80s and where we're at today. I am merely, I'm not knocking any of this. What I'm knocking is our strategy for the type of workforce we need to be recruiting for for the year 2025 to, to the year 2055 in a conventional 30-year career. And how and now we're back to integration and adoption of technology. Now we're looking at these these massive recruitment shortages. Andrew does an outstanding presentation that makes a, a compelling case that the sheer numbers of people available to be get considered into this workforce are are lower. Not to mention that we're at we're at we're at tension with societal and social values of of uh, flexible work schedules and short work weeks and you know all of these other things that are incredibly valuable. Then you talk to firefighters if or you hear them uh, around the coffee table saying, "Oh, I worked seven shifts in a row and I didn't get any any sleep and uh, you know so on and so forth." We're having this conversation. This is a major disruptor in our industry and we are not waking up to the conversation about what is the future look like. We're not even asking the right questions in my opinion. So I'm really, as you can tell me, I'm, I, I sometimes been accused of being an alarmist. I like to think about what the future looks like. And this here is fire chiefs have to get together and pull a new, you'll know, get rid of the 1980s playbook. It's not working. 
inject in the professionals like Andrew in industrial organizational psychology, who they're over there waving the flag saying, hey, we got ideas. Like that profession has ideas on how we can adapt our workforce or adapt our recruitment strategies to the workforce. We're just not listening because we're, this is what worked for me. This is what attracted me to be in this profession. And thus it should attract you. My, my big loser for 2023 is these one-off, you know, few thousand dollar hiring incentives to try to bring it like that was a, that, uh, that in fairness, that was an attempt to say, Hey, we, you know, may, maybe we can disrupt the labor market a little bit. And all we're doing is stealing from, from someone else. I mean, we're not growing people who want to be firefighters because all of a sudden we're offering an incentive. I mean, that was purely to try to steal from another agency. And there's no evidence that that actually worked. They were probably going to steal them anyhow. And then you just put, put more money on the table for it. Anyway, uh, I'm beating, I'm beating this one up. I'm beating this one up for sure. But I, I, I agree that if we don't solve this firefighter workforce issue, we have catastrophic outcomes in front of us. The good side, let me be rosy for a second and not just all alarmist, is when we have punctuating events like this, like this major workforce disruption, it is typically when we see the greatest innovation and integration implementations of technological solutions. Bob, Andrew, and Jeff, I will retweet everything you guys just said. And um, I was fortunate to have a podcast with uh, Chief Dave Robertson of Canada, and he sat me down and said, Kevin, I want to have a podcast just about recruitment and retention. His whole thesis was that, how do we hire for character? And should we focus less on operational readiness and more on moral fiber? And some different creative recruitment strategies to really approach this issue. And I totally agree, and I'm not necessarily the best person to speak on this, but if you don't have the people, and if you don't have the drive, and it don't, and granted, I was also, I was in Muscatech, Indiana the other week, um, for phase five of the NIST challenge. And I spent time with six firefighters from Columbus, Indiana, and just spending time with them for three days. I mean, you just the, the camaraderie, the sisterhood, the brotherhood, the, just the vibe, like I just, it was infectious. And it made me feel like, wow, like this is some of the, just like the the beauty and the perfection of the fire service. And that's something that I think we need to continue to to harness where it's that that terrible phrase that people talk about the hundred years of tradition unimpeded by progress. Like the fire service has amazing traditions, amazing values. And we need to harness that. Having said that, Bob, you had mentioned that sometimes, uh, you know, we, the fire service thinks we're so different than other professions. We are, but at the same time, we aren't. And we need to continue to think like a business, think like a nonprofit, think like a startup and kind of continue to rethink how we're incentivizing. So that's my kind of two cents on that. The other thing I want to kind of bring up that is sort of what we need to be paying attention to from a tech perspective. Um, Bob, you mentioned it earlier, but is tech adoption. I want everyone to think about the example of an infrared camera from when that first came on to the scene, to how big it was, to how expensive it was, to then they started getting smaller and smaller and smaller and cheaper and more effective. And, and then thinking about from the time when you started creating different standards on it from the, the IFSTA manuals and the, the NFPA standards and then the time for the, the trainers to start actually adopting that and thinking about from when that started to when it was starting to get into, integrated into training into then when it was ultimately now commonplace where pretty much every firefighter has one. That technology sort of from start to where it is now, how to me, it's sort of how do we take that and speed it up by 50%? And I think that that's a combination of standards. It's a combination of funding. It's a combination of the fact that actually the technology in a lot of these places is already there. It's these other human elements. So that kind of bringing it to market in, in 
speeding up the time of not just one, two, 10 departments using it, but thousands of departments using it, hundreds and thousands of firefighters benefiting from it. That's what I care most about. And frankly, if you, to the entrepreneurs out there and to other people thinking about it, something that I think about and kind of keeps me up is just the vanity metrics and first entrepreneurs, you know, raising a bunch of money and just burning cash to look cool. And and it's all great and all, but like, if you are not creating a technology or a data that is making a real difference to support firefighter safety and decision-making, it is all for not. Frankly, it is wasting time and money and effort. And we already are so focused, so strapped for time and money and resources in a lot of ways from the fire service that um, you need to, and I mentioned this in the previous podcast, a lot of it can start with going and breaking bread and just making sure you're doing your homework first before you spend a bunch of time and money on bringing something to the market that's not relevant. Um, And probably the final thing that I'll mention that I want as a cautionary tale is the ethical integration of artificial intelligence into all things daily life. I think yesterday was ChatGPT's birthday and I use ChatGPT almost every day. Um, But at the same time, you know, if you're just outsourcing everything to AI, you need to, again, we need to be very meticulous, ABC, ABC all the way to, to Z, intentional about how we are thinking about integrating AI in different ways. And there's a bunch of cool use cases, um, but it's not the silver bullet that's going to solve it. Absolutely, Kevin. We're going to throw in a few fun questions, starting with you, Jeff. What is the best advice you have ever received? And then follow that up with the best advice you have ever given. And I know I'm putting you on the spot here, so it doesn't necessarily have to pertain to the fire service. It can be general advice as well. Wow, that's a good question. Uh, I, I'm going to be thinking on this on the fly right now. Best, best advice, stay present. Stay in the moment. Easier said than done. So difficult to do. I think so many times we get caught up in our own lives and what's next, what's next, what's next. We actually even think about the past and, you know, all these things that aren't, aren't today and aren't now. It was, I believe it was in Kung Fu Panda. You got to give love to Disney. Bob, I hope you're listening to this. You're my, you're, you're my Disney dude. And I think it goes yesterday was history. Tomorrow's a mystery, but today is a gift. That's what I call it, the present. And so the best advice ever given is stay present. Try to enjoy the moment. Stay in the now in order to be engaged, in order to get fulfillment. So that would be my, my best piece of advice that I was given. And I can't remember who told me, so I can't, I can't give anybody credit on that. Uh, the best piece of advice that I try to give people is be afraid to fail be afraid to fail. Uh, you, you know, I've, I, I heard somewhere along the lines in, in, in some of my educational training that uh, the higher up you go in education, the more you failed. Doctors are, are really, really good at failing in one subject because they had to rule out so many things. That was wrong. That was wrong. That was wrong until they get to, to what's right. And in a bigger context, you know, you're talking about the, whether it be the, we're talking about the fire service. So I'll, so I'll go there. Don't be afraid to try new things. Don't be afraid to try new things. And I think that that's one of the biggest problems. You know, Kevin talked about Dr. Burt Clark and culture. Andrew is an organizational psychologist, and he's, he's talking about uh, 
all, all these different types of things where there's, there's fear. Bob has laid his impressions in that we do have some evidence that exists where we know the right way to go, but we're not doing it. We're not doing it. So there, there, we have to be afraid to fail. We have to be afraid to make mistakes. We have to be afraid to uh, take that criticism, take that pushback when we're trying to do innovative and, and disruptive that things. That is great advice, Jeff, especially for doing it on the fly. And I realize I might need to give the rest of our panel a little bit more time to think. So I will go ahead and share some advice. The best advice I have ever received was from my college track and field coach, and that was to always be coachable. Now, this is advice I have lived by, and I think it can be applied to pretty much anything, not just sports. For me, this is equivalent to the saying, never stop learning. But when I think of the word coachable, it's more learning from other people's knowledge or expertise or experience. It makes it a little bit more unique. It's not always something you can just read out of a book. And the best advice that I have ever given, and maybe I stole this from the internet somewhere, I don't know at this point, but I used to be a big fan of motivational speeches or the hype videos that really got my adrenaline going or really kicked my butt into gear to get something done. But I've realized that as I've gotten older, self-discipline trumps motivation every time. And so that's the quote. Self-discipline trumps motivation every time. Motivation can be fleeting while self-discipline is something that becomes ingrained. So that is my little two cents of advice. What about you, Bob? Great advice, Samantha. Great advice. I, for me, it's best advice I'd ever, uh, that I've ever gotten is strive for better, not perfect strive for better, not perfect. And, you know, when we look, when we look at a target, you know, we aim for that bullseye and boy, you know, can you get frustrated or down on yourself when you don't hit the bullseye? But uh, as Annie Duke in her book, Thinking in Bet says, you know, anywhere you hit on that, on that target is points on the board. So celebrate points on the board and re-aim for, for what it is. Celebrate better, not perfect. Best advice I, I think I've ever given. And just in the context of executive leadership uh, or, or to fire chiefs, specifically is you must protect time in your schedule to think you must protect time in your schedule to think. And I'm talking about anywhere from 10 to 25% of your work week should be spent away from the distractions, not in meetings, not checking emails away from the office where you are thinking about the organization and the future and the strategy and how to implement it. I don't know anyone who hasn't, cleared themselves from the noise and distractions and been on a walk or on vacation or traveling for a conference and, and walking between the hotel to the convention center. When you have such clarity of thought over different things that you want to do in your organization, your job is to lead a sustainable organization into the future, decades into the future. And you cannot do that if you are buried at your desk in emails, putting out spot fires, protect time in that schedule. And that's just not good advice for fire chiefs. Everyone should just spend a little time away and think. All right. I'll, I'll jump on the, uh, the fun question from, uh, the best advice I've ever given. It's a, that's a tough one, but I, I love the concept of efficacy. Uh, I got super obsessed with it. Um, in my studies of organizational psychology, I ended up using it in my dissertation as a construct. 
from whether it's folks on my on my team here in particular or or any group that I work with, um, I always tell people, you know, one of the strongest predictors of success is efficacy. And efficacy is really just the belief in yourself that you think you can accomplish what's in front of you. And so if you believe that you are capable of it, you you really can uh, achieve whatever it is that's in front of you. Uh, and we've measured that. And so it's not just a quote or a, the, I think I can, a little engine that could saying anymore. It's a valid, it's actually a validated thing uh, that if you believe that you can do it uh, and you, and it, that all actually checks out. Um, so I try to tell people that like, you know, simply believing in yourself and visualizing it and, and whatnot, all that sounds spoofy and fluffy, uh, but it's legit. It, it really is. There's science behind it now. So, so believe in yourself and, and you'll see it through. Along those same lines, just kind of thinking candidly uh, recently about some of the things I've, I've been told or I've heard. I have no idea or recollection where this came from, but I heard somebody say, or I saw this somewhere, what you think is common sense. Someone is willing to pay thousands of dollars for and so I, I use that in my own mind when I think about like self-worth and, and whatnot, and I'm, I'm writing something and I'm like, this is stupid. <laughs> this common sense, everybody knows, everybody knows this. And I'm like, no, maybe they, maybe they don't. Maybe this is actually worth something to somebody else. Um, and I even use that here with my folks, you know, when they're working on a project that they're like, well, I made this thing, but it, it's probably going to be useless. And I'm like, what, what you think is common sense, somebody might be willing to pay $5,000 for. So like, let it rip, have at it. <laughs> I'll finish the the baton here and the uh, the track uh, relation, Samantha, but best advice that I've ever received was from my father, my going into my freshman year of college was when it was like, hey, if you're not, I almost had this mindset, if you're not going to business school, like what are you even doing? Um, but I remember just like seeing like all the curriculum around like calculus and all this stuff that I was like, this just sounds miserable. And I wasn't interested in it. And I was really interested in like in geography and, and Asian culture and sciences. And my dad was like, Kevin, just study what you love. And it was that moment I was like, that like it gave me the permission in the sense to really lean in at that moment. And I ended up getting the most words in my major in, in, in college. I was a double major in human geography and political science with a minor in Southeast Asian studies. And I loved every second of it. And from that, I've just continued to be a forever student. And so I think to everyone, continue to lean into your curiosity. Um, thank you to my dad for, for that. I mean, it's good to be curious and it's good to even explore stuff outside of your day to day and trying new stuff like go do a, a pottery class or go do a knitting class or go learn the harmonica, like whatever. It's just like good to try new stuff. Um, and best advice that I've, that I give, I was given it and now I continue to give it all the time. Um, there's a author called Ryan holiday who transcribes a lot of stoicism from Marcus Aurelius and this whole, the whole phrase of memento mori, which really goes into, you could leave life right now. One thing that all five of us have in common and every single person listening to this podcast is we are all going to die. That is one thing that we all have in common, but not looking at death as something that is something to be afraid of, but something that gives us a sense of purpose while we're alive. So, I mean, I carry this coin and putting up the screen that says memento mori on one side with the skull, you could leave life right now on the other side, I carry in my pocket, sort of my uh, informal tattoo that just reminds me of my mortality. And, you know, I'm, I'm 33 and I'm, I'm, 
I wake up and I'm starting to maybe feel a little like the bumps and bruises and being like, wow, maybe I'm just getting old, but like, I'm just grateful for the opportunity to be on this earth and not trying to waste it while I'm here. And I think to everyone, just continuing to have that mindset that don't look at death as something to be afraid of, uh, but give you a sense of purpose while you're alive and um, just continue to take advantage of, of the opportunity today. Everyone over the age of 33 that's listening to this podcast is like, you have no idea yet, Kevin. <laughs> but thank you, everyone, for sharing those bits of advice. I hope some of those really resonated with our listeners. Let's take a moment now to go around each of our panelists and share what you are working on in 2024 that you want our audience to know about. Kevin, can I put you on the spot to kick us off? Yeah, thanks. Well, next week is a big week for me. Uh, I am, I've been working with the International Association of Fire Chiefs and we're organizing the Technology Summit International. Uh, it's the second year it's happening and it's going to be the gathering of some of the best and brightest minds within public safety working on talking about a lot of stuff that I've mentioned of technology integration and shortening the time to adoption. And so I will definitely be uh, helping to plan the content and everything for 2024, as well as doing some more roundtables and igniting the tech council for IFC. But the other big thing is uh, with the smart firefighting community that I'm a part of um, weekly podcasts, and we're also going to continue to do monthly roundtables. And I would love to have everyone on this call as well as others listening part of those roundtables. It's really meant to be a kitchen table talk where we're just talking shop about the ideas in the fire service and casting a spotlight on best practices. So for me, it's, it's continued to bang the drums on sharing best practices and finding ways to where we can further collaborate to integrate technology in an ethical and smart way that makes firefighter safety improved and helps with firefighter decision-making. Awesome. Andrew, how's 2024 looking for you? Yeah, big dreams, big hopes for 2024. Uh, I am, am, am working on a psychometric assessment and accompanying uh, book to go along with it that uh, is kind of centered around this concept uh, that I call ROAR. Um, and it's helping to hopefully helping to build accountable uh, organizations and teams uh, by outlining what's required to have accountability in your organization. Um, clear roles and responsibilities, ownership, it can lead to accountability. And I feel like those things are often missing and not necessarily accounted for when folks are are struggling to hold others accountable or figuring out where they're going with that. So uh, I've, I've been working on that and I'm hoping to see it come to fruition uh, next year. Um, but other than that, a, a lot of uh, conferences and things lined up already. And uh, so I'm excited for a, a busy 2024. Uh, certainly right out of the gate. I head to Alaska in February. It's a beautiful time of year to be in Juneau. And now our staple panel. Bob, what do you have going on in the new year? Uh, thanks, Samantha. And we're real excited about what 2024 looks like. We got a few things uh, in the works that we're uh, really happy to be working on. One, we're doing some uh, on the ground research, particularly in the wildland urban interface areas where we are testing various behavioral economics and traditional economic methods to drive defensible space home hardening, lowering risk in the communities. And we know a lot from uh, the field of behavioral eco uh, economics, and we're applying that in looking at ways to approach personalized messaging at the household le level to motivate behavior for these uh, risk reducing 
efforts around the household? You know, how do we get folks to engage in the conversation that you own a piece of responsibility in lowering wildfire risk, not just for your household, but for your neighborhood and for your community? And so we've got a couple of research projects that are out. We're looking to, we did some piloting on that in 2023 and we're scaling that up in 2024. I envision a day where we're able to tailor messaging to our audience in meaningful ways to, uh, uh, I'm looking forward to a day where we're able to tailor messages rather than just pushing out, you know, the conventional flyer of public education that says, if this do that, and we know it's not effective for all audiences and how do we approach that? And so some great research on the grounds, we're looking forward to those findings coming out. Uh, Jeff and I are putting together a new uh, course in our portfolio for our workshops, our chief's guide workshops that we do. We do negotiations, communications, uh, decision-making, and we're putting together a, a new one on ethical persuasion. We're excited to be introducing that in 2024 as we go out on the on the conferences, with, uh, hopefully running into Andrew at a time or two or five uh, and Kevin the, the same way. So we're excited about getting that out to the community in 2024. And we're reimagining the Assuming Command podcast, uh, my podcast, where uh, we're pulling it into the Western Fire Chiefs Media Network. We're excited about that. And Assuming Command is going to be reimagined where we're going to start to focus on some of these issues that land somewhere between leadership and management and the and the intersection of those two, which I'm calling administration, what we're calling administration. And it's challenging and it's hard. And how do you make decisions in the face of trade-offs, competing interests and constraints? You can't just be a good leader and think that your organization is going to thrive. And you can't just be an effective manager and think your organization is going to thrive. So it's hard to, to navigate between the two, but that's what the podcast in 2024 is going to be focusing in on. So listeners, if you don't already, please subscribe to the Assuming Command podcast. I'm excited about 2024 as well. All of you are working on some really, really, really cool things. Uh, excited for what the future looks like. Some of the things I'm, I'm, I'm excited about is some of the initiatives of the Western Fire Chiefs Association, reimagining the President's Forum and the, the Force, which are two excellent, excellent conferences that the Western Fire Chiefs puts on. I'm, I'm really excited about what that, that new creativity is going to look like. I'm excited about this show. Fire headlines. I'm excited about what we're going to talk about in this upcoming year. Kevin, you're going to be on again. Andrew, you're going to be on again. BOB, you're going to be in the house. And of course, Samantha, you're going to be leading us the whole way. So I'm excited about the dialogue that's going to be inspired in 2024. Uh, I'm pumped about the solutions that we're working on right now. What 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 is industry going to bring to our friends and further community out in the first response universe? that are gonna change their lives. So I'm, I'm excited about what that looks like in 2024. And specifically uh, from the Western Fire Chiefs Association, you know, looking at the, the this data lake concept, this, this concept of a singular repository where agencies can, can pull from and look to make their organizations better, harnessing all of the information that's out there for better decision-making and, and what that could look like in 2024 and beyond are all all super exciting and i can't wait to be a part of it so 2024 is definitely going to be better than 2023 and can't wait to be part of it amazing it sounds like we have a great year ahead of us thank you to our panel for joining us today and thank you to our listeners for tuning in if you haven't already be sure to subscribe 
And if you have a question for the panel, please reach out to us at fireheadlines at wfca.com and let us know what's on your mind. We are wishing everyone a happy holiday season and a prosperous new year. We'll see you back here in the first week of 2024 for more Fire Headlines.